and it's the stories that follow the birth of Jesus. So I thought it would work well uh, for us this morning. I'm going to be reading Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, and you can follow along. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of the region of Itera and Trachonitis, sounds like a dinosaur name, that was a tough one, <laughs> and Lysanias Tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Ananias and Capias, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough ways smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. Then he said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I'll tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is ready to strike the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What then shall we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, The one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? And he told them, Don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, What should we do? He said to them, Don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were waiting expectantly, and all of them were debating in their minds whether John might be the Messiah. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is more powerful than I. One, I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the shaft will burn up with a fire that never goes out. Then along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him about Herodias, his brother's wife, and about all the evil things Herod had done, added this to everything else. He locked John up in prison. And we'll stop there. I know that's an odd spot to stop in the new year, but I'm giving you a little teaser. If you'd come back next week, we'll continue the story. What's interesting is that the birth of Jesus Christ is not even found in all the four Gospels. The books that write about the life of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not all of them even talk about the birth of Jesus Christ, but every Gospel talks about the ministry of John and the baptizing that John performed. John was baptizing a repentance for the forgiveness of sins. See, baptism was really this ritual that developed during the 400 years, the silent years between the last prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the arrival of the Messiah in the New Testament. 
Baptism was this ritual that non-Jews would have to go through to show their cleanliness in order to become a Jew, part of uh, the Judaism. Uh, They were also supposed to be circumcised, which we see in the Old Testament law. But baptism was a way to publicly show that you have accepted this private uh, kind of deal. So baptism for us is also an outward expressing of an inward confession. Baptism is a way to identify publicly with the message and with the God of that message. And the message that John was proclaiming was a repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And that was different than the message of the Jews. For their message was that you needed to join their family, be a part of the Abrahamic family, because God favored that family. And then you would perform rituals and sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. And John's message was more of just stop sinning. Stop trusting in sacrifices and rituals. Stop trusting that you're connected to a family that's spiritual. And turn towards God personally with a repentant heart. Repentance is what leads to the forgiveness of sins. Not a list of do's and don'ts. Not being connected to some family. And see, John was preaching this message not to those who were, quote-unquote, the sinners. He was preaching this message to those who were, quote-unquote, the saved. Those who thought they were saved from the coming wrath of God. But they were living their life like they didn't even know that God existed. And John's saying that you need to have some fruit in your life to be evident of the salvation, that your connection with God. Don't just trust in your lineage. Don't trust in these yearly sacrifices. And what we see in the Bible often is that there is a plan of salvation, and then there is an urgency to accept that plan. Throughout the Bible, you see that there is a plan of salvation, but you see that there is an urgency to accept that plan. And John lays out his plan of salvation clearly, a personal repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But he lays out this urgency to accept that plan. He says that there is an axe, and God is about ready to cut down the family tree at its roots, something that you can't trust in anymore. They needed to repent, and they needed to live up to that salvation. There's going to become a time that John says that God will gather together his people, and he'll separate his true people from those who are not his true people. So are you knowing what side are you on? Do you know that you're on the true side of God's children or are you not sure? There will become a time where God will separate those. And that's just not a message that John talks about. John baptizes Jesus and Jesus begins his ministry and his preaching. And it says that he went around preaching a repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And he was preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. It was near. It was right there. Decades later, the apostle Paul would write to the church in Corinthians, today is an acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. James writes in James chapter 4, come now, You who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a a year there and to do business and to make profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you're like a smoke that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, 
we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. James says there's nothing wrong with creating plans. There's nothing wrong with making resolutions. There's nothing wrong with saying, I want to do something different this year. But the problem is when we create those plans, when we make those resolutions without thinking about what God's will for our life is in there. There's a problem with assuming that we just have tomorrow, that we have the next month, that we have this year. That's the pride of life. And Jesus says, what would it matter if you went around and gained the whole world, but you lost your own soul? Because that's the truth. We don't know what the future will be like. We have no idea what 2017 will hold. We don't even know how much of 2017 we'll actually see. Just think about this past year in your own life, 2016. I bet there was a lot of things that you never expected. You didn't want to expect Some things were good. Maybe you got a job and you never thought you'd finally get that job you always wanted. Maybe some of you lost a job and you didn't see that coming. You had no idea that was going to happen. For some of you, you never imagined that you'd be sitting here in 2017 without a loved one or someone in your life that was close to you. Maybe some of you thought you'd never even make it this far because you yourself had so many health issues and so many dark days this past year. For my own life, I had my own unexpected moments. For a good portion of the beginning of 2016, my blood pressure was all over the place for about five months and four different changes of medicine before we tried to finally figure out a medicine that seems to be working for me. I had some issues with my eyes for about five or six weeks, which led to the discovery that I have an autoimmune disease, uvitis, HLA-B27. It's a protein deficiency, which links to rheumatoid arthritis. And also this year, I turned 40 and had to buy, <laughs> and had to buy a minivan. <laughs> weep, weep, weep. My wife and I, we spent a lot of money and a lot of time renovating our basement so that we can keep the foster kids that we have as we wait for our day in court to adopt them. There's a lot of things going on in our lives and a lot of things that, well, I just don't know you enough to share. Right? But I, I say these things because I'm not trying to get us a down here in the new year, but I just want to be honest. I want you to experience the joy of salvation. I want you to experience the joy of having fruit in your life and growing and maturing. I want you to have the joy like the 13 people experienced today, taking a step towards baptism. For some of you, you've never taken the step to accept Jesus Christ as the Savior for your sins. So I ask you, what are you waiting for? When do you think you'll be ready? You don't have to have your life figured out. You don't have to be perfect. You come to Jesus as you are. For some of you, you've never taken a step of baptism. And I say, what are you waiting for? When do you think you'll be ready? Some of the people who were baptized today say, I don't know why I waited so long. I should have done this a long time ago. They want to experience the joy of their salvation, the joy of publicly testifying that they've accepted Jesus Christ in their life. Some of you, there's been things that God's been speaking to you over the last year, but you've been kind of putting them off because life gets busy, things get in the way. When are you going to make that next step? What are you waiting for? When do you think you'll be ready to experience more of joy in your life this next year? 
So I encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we end this morning. God, we rejoice that you came to earth as a baby. But we also hear the message of John that there's something on our end that we must do. That there is an urgency to this plan. And God, we have perhaps taken for granted that we have another day to live, another day to make a decision. We just considered another day to make another dollar. God, you say there's more to life than that. There's a joy that you want us to experience. And God, for those who may be here this morning who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that they would make that decision right now. God, for those that you have been speaking to them about a change in their life, to to perhaps stop sinning, to to get rid of that thing that so easily trips them up, to to spend more time with you in Bible study or spend more time with you in prayer or to join that life group or take a step in baptism or whatever it may be, God, press upon them that next step. And God, I pray that those people would just heed your calling, that they would experience more joy in their life as you produce fruit in them. And that fruit grows and matures and it just is such a blessing in their lives. God, I want to give the people the opportunity this morning that if they want, that they would just come up and find someone to pray with, pray with someone off to the side, talk about what is this thing about salvation? What is this thing about Jesus Christ? Why are so many people being dunked? Whatever it may be, Lord, as you press upon their hearts, that they would respond. They have an opportunity just to come up. We'll be ending the service. I don't want them to feel awkward about it. Or they could just write on a connection card, write on a piece of paper, send us an email, whatever it may be, so that we can help people grow closer to God in 2017. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.